Welcome to another edition of Halftime Chat Must Be The Music. Got a special guest, and I'd always say all my guests are special, but I've got Walter Mucho Scott. Uh, for those who are New Jack fans, you would have seen a lot of his name a lot on credits with Teddy Riley, because he was in his production camp. Um, on various Black Street tracks and um, another another tracks, but prior to that, he was part of the R&B New Jack group called Basic Black. Finally got through. How you doing? All right. How about you? Yeah, doing well. Doing well. Yeah. So I, I'm. You know, this is what we call must be the music. We, what we do is to talk to. I think what I've have to realize that most of my audience are really big fans of '90s R&B, New Jack swing, and so they always want to know. They hear the music, but they like to hear the story behind the music. You know, talk to the music makers, the artists, the singers from those days to say, look, how did you make it? You know, we all can't sing. Some of us who can sing, we don't, we've never signed a record deal, never had a hit single, and we've never been in the game. So this is a story about the journey and uh, the highs and lows and, you know, what to look out for going forward. So um, okay, I did a little intro about you being, you know, um, the groups and, and production stuff, but it'll be good to hear from you. I mean, where you're from, and because um, I've got an international audience, so I know you're American, but what parts? Uh, from Columbus, Georgia, USA. Okay, Columbus, <laughs> Georgia. Okay, I think most of us would know yeah. Georgia from Atlanta because that's probably like one of the big meccas of of, uh, of the South. But um, how far is Columbus from from Atlanta? Atlanta, uh, about an hour and a half drive. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know if the other two are the, um, 
uh, members of Basic Black, original members told you, but uh, us three came from Columbus. It was... Uh, KB and Spectrum. Yeah, we came from Columbus. Do you know when they said they came from Columbus, I thought it was Columbus, Ohio. No, Columbus, Georgia. Yeah, so in my head, I thought Columbus, Ohio, right. Columbus, Ohio. So now you've cleared that up. That makes sense. Because when he when, yeah. they, when they told us that when, when Gene went back, went to Atlanta, to Georgia, they went with him. I said, well, that's Georgia and Ohio quite some distance. But now it kind of makes sense. Okay. Yeah, so, Gene from Columbus, too. Okay, now that I didn't realize. Okay, yeah, we'll get to Gene and stuff. But how did you get up and start off in music? Uh, well, um, my uh, I had a phone call coming in. <laughs> did it? Okay, yeah, my um, actually, my my whole family kind of played instruments. I had a, uh, it was me and three more brothers, but uh, all all four us played bass guitar. Okay. So it was it was hard to start our own band because everybody wanted to play bass. Why bass? Yeah, and uh, bass, and uh, I played drums. I had another brother brother play drums too. So you know, I got started uh, by my older brother. He had brought home a acoustic guitar, and uh, when he go to work, I would pick it up and you know start feeling around with it. And um, you know, when he get off work, we had to put it up and, and shine it up like didn't nobody touch it. <laughs> okay, okay. But then where would you guys play? Uh well, uh, coming up, I actually uh I was playing um I was just playing at home and uh then with my brother, we were backing up talent shows in Columbus. And uh I had a good friend named uh Mike, and he was uh he was in the group with Speck and KB first. It was like mid 80s so mike um uh, mike i think quit the group and he you know he was uh he uh uh ventured off to you know different field and he introduced me he like yo man i got a good friend that i go to school with named mucho you know he played bass so you know i wanted y'all to hear him and uh you know i went audition for him and then they you know they liked me and uh joined the group but it, it wasn't basic black then it they changed the name we changed the basic basic black i think after a month or two after i got in it was like uh some names in a hat and i actually think the guy that uh that came up with that name was uh antoine payton okay. i think he dropped basic black in the hat and then you know somebody pulled the name basic black and i'm like hey so it stuck with everybody so okay. you know we were basic black in the hometown we, we were playing at clubs down in uh columbus so, but because back in those days, um, Mr. Um, just if I'm not mistaken, because we've this is before Diesel came in, were you guys just more of a of a band like Earth Wind Fire, or did you have a lead singer? Or were you guys singing? Yeah, we had a we had a lead singer named Terrence Murphy, T Murphy. Okay. Uh, he was he was the lead singer. Um. And yeah, we we had like a we had like a five six piece band, lead singer and everything. Did you have at that point? Did you have a sort of a vision of you want to be like cooling the gang, Earth and Fire, Atlantic Star, or what were you, you know, time? What were you looking? It, it, it was. It, <laughs> it was kind of. Uh, it was kind of a split between the the Minneapolis sound with Prince and the time, and you know I was the big deal fan, Babyface fan. Okay. So you know we it, it was. It was kind of a split, so you know when we when we actually joined together to do original music, 
it would sound like uh, you know Minneapolis and uh, <laughs> Babyface. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> okay. And uh, so then, how far did you think you guys you were going to get to? Did you think you'd actually make it, or what was the plan? Was it like just for fun? Yeah, I, I always thought we would get a uh, eventually get a deal. Uh, but you know, it, you know, sometimes when you, you know, you, you you move one step forward, you get knocked two step back. So, and then, but you know, every now and then was some there was some doubt. But then, you know, we, uh, you know, I always thought like, you know, I got to get back in it, you know, and I kept pushing forward. But I always had a feeling that I, you know, one day I would be on uh, some major label. Okay. So then, you, you know, I heard a story about how you know you guys go down to to New York and, and uh, meet up with Gene and and today and yeah. stuff like that. For you, what was it like when you moved to New York? Because you're from Georgia. Um, what yeah, was it, that? It was, <laughs> it was like moving to Mars, man. We, <laughs> <laughs> like we some country boys and we move all the way up to uh, New York City. Like we passed Atlanta and and D.C., Philly, and all the way up to New York. And, and when we got to New York City, man, it, it was like it was like moving to a different planet. <laughs> like everything was fast up there. But, but was it intimidating, or what? Did you appreciate it, or was it hard? Oh no, it, it, it wasn't intimidating. It was it was just like uh like a uh, it was just exciting. I, I mean, I don't. I was just taking everything in, like the sounds and. The, and the, and the visuals, you know, the big buildings, and 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 you know the sounds of the city. So it wasn't intimidating because we were lost in the, in you know, in the height of being in New York City. Yeah. So you know, we we probably was in danger, but we didn't realize we were just looking <laughs> up. We were we were just in awe, man, just looking up at big buildings and listening <laughs> to the different uh, cultures that was in uh, New York City, and you know, crimes. Uh, right in front of our eyes, you know, we seeing guys getting mugged and we looking at it, taking pictures. <laughs> so it was, it was crazy. Then you finally meet up with um, with today, Big Bob, to Gene and Teddy. Uh, by this time, had Guy come out with Groove Me and everything? By the time you met Teddy and them? Yeah, uh, when, um, I don't know if they told you, but we opened up, we opened up for uh, Teddy guy and i think rob bass when they came to our hometown okay and uh you know you know how, how how we got to open up for that concert it was a it was a promoter down in uh in our hometown and like i said we used to play behind talent shows so you know he said you know i can't afford the full price to pay y'all but if y'all back the talent show you know i let y'all open up for the for the guy concert and we wow. were like <laughs> yeah, we we took that. We probably would have did it for no money. So uh, when we um, so actually when we opened up, you know, the concert, uh, we did our you know our uh, cover song. We did uh, we 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 tried to do everything that uh, Teddy produced, but not on guy. So we did my prerogative and wow. you know some uh, others just got paid. Okay, you know that. So we couldn't perform guy today because they was there. So. And when we when we did my prerogative, we started seeing heads peek out from behind the uh, backstage, and then you know we saw Teddy head. Then we saw Gene come peek out. Then we saw today, you know. So once we did that, uh, we we got off stage, and they were like, "Man, like y'all the first group we heard 
that actually sound like the song. Wow. You know, Gene pulled up, he's like, yeah, man, I want y'all to, uh, I might want y'all to come to New York and play behind today, you know, because everybody had a band except for today. Today was doing tracks on the show. Oh, okay, okay. So, you know, once we heard that, man, we just got anxious and we followed the tour bus, I think, for about, uh, about five or six cities. Wow. So the, the band got to know us, uh, Abe Fogel, Bernard Bell, Dinky Bingham, you know, even Aaron Hall, Damien, you know, every time they see us, oh, what's up? They'll call us uh, Country Bumpkins. <laughs> 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 they would pull us on the tour bus, man. Like, they welcome us in, man, especially Abe, man. You know, we when we went to New York, uh, you know, Abe, uh, Abe let us stay uh, downstairs, you know, till we got situated. And there was a guy drumming. Yeah, that's what, um, yeah, and I've seen him on a, a senior hall show playing and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But then what, um, when you guys were playing, did, 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 um, what was it like watching Guy perform after you man, played your stuff? It, uh, it's like watching a machine, man. Like when they, when that first note hit, it, it, it was like breathtaking. You know, cause we 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 seen concerts come down there. We'll see Roger and uh, Gap. Roger and Gap will come down there like three times a year. Okay. You know, and but you know when Guy came down there with the electronics, it was like it was something different. And, and you know, and from now you know we we just you know we we straight New Jack, so we forgot all about uh, Minneapolis <laughs> and, the, and the Babyface sound. Wow. We were straight New Jack after that. So then. For you guys as musicians um, and seeing Teddy and seeing, I'm sure you would have known he had done um, Kumo D, the Keith Sweat album uh, and, and all that stuff. Did you then say we, we need to learn from him when you got to New York or did you was that opportunity oh, yeah. afforded to you? Yeah, uh, most definitely. What happened was uh, we let Gene, after the show, Gene, we knew where Gene's mom stayed. So he told us <laughs> to meet him over his mom's house. So, uh, you know, he let us hear uh, uh, My Fantasy before it came out, like a rough uh -huh. mix of My Fantasy. Uh, we got our own thing by Heavy D. And uh -huh. I made, he was like, y'all got something, but I want y'all to listen to this. So he like, this is where the sound going. So he, he played that for us and, you know. And uh, after that, you know, we, we, we went and revamped our demo. And uh, uh, we, went, we went to New York right after that. After we followed Guy around for like five cities. Then they took a break, and so we drove to uh, New York on that break. And, and, and was it, um, because I've seen different stories, because I saw Gene in an interview saying that he told you guys to come and meet him at his mom's house, and then he brought you, because somebody asked him, how did you discover Basic Black? So, yeah, I, I, I invited them over to see to, to my mom's place to sign them up. But then I also heard that you guys got to New York, and he was surprised to see you guys. Gave you yeah, actually, yeah, actually, we got to New York on the weekend, and uh, Gene uh, called Speck's mom house looking for us. Oh, and so you know, it, uh, I don't think anybody had we didn't, you know, it wasn't no, we didn't have a cell phone back yeah. in like 89, yeah, yeah. 88, 89. So uh, Speck called home, and his mom said, Where y'all at? <laughs> he was saying, Hold on, baby, he was saying, Um. Uh, we up in New York, and she said, "Well, uh, Gene Griffin is calling down here looking for y'all." And, and we were out, we were right outside the office building. We had his address to the office, 
on Fifth Avenue. And we like, we stand on the payphone, you know, outside the office building. <laughs> and it was on the weekend. So uh, she called, when Gene Griffin called back, she told him uh, where we were. And he said, stay right there. You know, he, he on his way. So it was, it was on the weekend when he met us. Wow. So, you know, we met, we met him at the payphone and we followed him to uh, a Best Western. He put us up in a Best Western. Wow. And he told us that uh, he just fired the, uh, the band, the band for today. So he just fired him. He said, but we keep him one uh, guy. He said, he, he said, if y'all don't want him, I sent him home. So we listened to him and, you know, we decided to keep him. Uh, it was, uh, Ray Watkins. Okay. And what was he, what did Ray play? Ray played keyboards. So then, okay, so what was, so I know KB was on the drums. What was Specs on? Beck keyboard. Okay. Uh, and then you were bass. Uh, bass, yeah. Then we had another keyboard. We had a female keyboard player that came up with Bassy Black. Okay, yes. She's a doctor now, the one that drove you guys. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. okay. So, then, so you guys were like a band, but you didn't think about, what about your lead singer at this point? Well, uh, we um, we didn't have a lead singer at the time. And uh, I think uh, well, Sprague was with us, uh, Sprague Doogie. Uh, I think he followed you too. He's with us too. So actually Sprague was doing production with, with us. And uh, at the time we was gonna put Lucretia out, out front. Um, Lucretia, uh, uh, the female out front as lead vocal. And, um, you know, we ran that idea by Gene. He's like, no, nah, man. He said, I got somebody for y'all. So we went uh, at one of guy rehearsals. We met the, uh, we met that drum tech and it was Diesel. Oh, Diesel and was a told drum Diesel tech? Diesel to stay. Yeah, he was guy drum tech. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't know why they tell y'all. I, I don't know why they didn't tell you the whole story, but. And no, no, because yeah, I think, yeah, 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 no, because the interview was mainly about the group and where they are, so, you know, and, and, okay. and I guess, yeah, so, yeah. Okay, I didn't know Diesel was the drum tech, okay. Yeah, Diesel was the drum tech for Guy, and uh, uh, when um, when Gene introduced him to us, he asked him to sing something, and first note came out of his mouth, man, it was like, ear piercing. Yeah. And yeah. we were like, wow, wow, it was like, and he was like, yeah, man, that was Gene, yeah, man, I told you. So, <laughs> so from that point on, we had to figure out a way to tell the, uh, the female that we was changing direction with the group, you know, but it, it kind of worked out. I, I I don't think we, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think listening to Deezer, I mean, he's probably on par with Aaron Hall when it comes to vocals. Um, I even well, you think... know they was in a group together. In what way? Diesel, Aaron Hall, and Dinky Bingham. I don't I don't know if you remember this group called the Jamaica Boys with Marcus mm. Miller. No. Uh, if, when you get a chance, look up the Jamaica Boys. Okay. And the guy that's singing lead on there, that's that's uh, that's guy oh uh MD, musical director. His name is Dinky Bingham. Okay. And vocal wise, him, Aaron, and uh Daryl, Diesel. Yeah. They sound exactly alike, man. And it was those three. They they was in a group together before. Wow. Uh, before guy. My goodness. Yeah. That, so uh, Dizo and Aaron are, are actually, I think they're actually cousins. 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, Gizo said he cousin, and Aaron was said that's my cousin. So, okay. And then they was in a group way before Guy and Basie Black. Okay. Yeah, I think when I I think when I look at the three big male singers of those eras. Big Bob naturally is probably like a, a powerhouse consistency. Yeah. Diesel and Aaron um, could also, and I think because Aaron was fortunate to be in Guy, he had the bigger hits, so he's known. Yeah, but, you know, but I think that all three of them are really, you know, have a different sound. So Diesel sings, you guys say, yeah, we're, we're going to join in and stuff. How did you guys get along then? I mean, because this is one thing to have a good voice, but it's also about the three of you have come from Columbus. You kind of Growing up together, and now you've got this new a New Yorker coming in to join in. Did that upset the chemistry? Yeah, no, no, we we uh kicked it out pretty good. You know, Daryl, once he met us, he 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 left New York, and when we came back to Georgia, he came back with us. Okay, okay, uh, we went back to our hometown, he met everybody, family, you know, and uh, you know, my mom took him in as a son, he called my mom, mom, and you know, man, you know, as soon as he moved down and, and we we kind of, uh, we kind of, we kind of always thought he had a little southern feel to him anyway. So Diesel got family down south. So that that's how he knew how to blend in down south. Okay. So then did you guys think, okay, we want to go in, were you guys going to be molded into the image of Guy and today? Or was, what was the idea between what they wanted to do with Basic Black? Basic Black? Yeah, we kind of we kind of figured we was gonna kind of fit in between yeah, guy today. But you know, when we got home, uh, we we heard that uh, guy was leaving Gene, and uh, you know, so after that, I think Gene kind of like, hold on one second, yeah, the phone call came in again. So after that, uh, Gene kind of like pushed us more towards the. Uh, the guy sound, the New Jack Swing, it was more of the New Jack Swing sound. So, so uh, yeah, yeah uh, but uh, that's when Gene, when uh, when he lost Guy. So, so you know, we can't. how long before you joined, before, until Guy separated from Gene? How long did you guys have working with seeing Guy and Teddy and being part of the GR production as a, as a group? Well, when we, um, soon we moved up, to New York, uh, I learned uh, I learned the uh, MPC, uh, the drum machine. So I started doing beats. Uh, me and Spec, and we would send them to Gene on cassette tape. And um, I remember one beat we sent to him on cassette tape. And next thing you know, we're hearing it on uh, this group called Starpoint. Okay. So it, it was it was the same beat me and Spec did at the same keyboard. So, but we didn't we didn't care if we didn't get no credit. We were just happy to hear our, you know, drum beat and melody on a, and we were like, yeah, we did that. We did that beat for Gene. Man, so you know, we were just we were just happy, you know, that somebody took our you know melody and and redid it and put it on a, a signed artist. But then, well, did how much time did you have working with say? Gene or Teddy before the splits? Oh, well, uh, the split came, we went to, uh, I think we went to New York in the summer. We did the tour with, as soon as we got there, we was in rehearsal hall like that next Monday. And uh, so we were rehearsing one room, guy would rehearse in the next room. So as soon as we got there, we was in the mix. We're like, Teddy would come and see us. 
you know, he'd be feeling the, uh, the vibe. Aaron would come, Bernard Bell would come, you know. And uh, Bud would invite some of his friends, Heavy D. Wow. You know, yeah, he, uh, Eddie F. And, um, you know, they would come see us. Then we'll, after we rehearsed, we'll go sit in with Guy rehearsal. And, you know, we, it, it was like one big family. So we was like that all the way up to December. But how was it then? You're seeing Heavy D and the boys coming oh, in. Man. Uh, well, uh, Big Bug, Big Bug took me to see uh, Heavy D up in Mount Vernon. Okay, to his house. Then, uh, yeah, after, that was after rehearsal one day. Uh, we got in the car. I got I got in the car with Big Bug, and we he like I'm gonna take you somewhere. I like where we going? He he like just ride. So we go to Mount Vernon and, and Heavy D on the corner and we get out and start talking to Heavy D. And he introduced me to Heavy D and, I, you know, I started talking. They were like, wow, he's country. So, <laughs> and, this one, and this one girl said, he, she said, he's so country. She said, but I like it. I like it. <laughs> so, you know, so then, you know, we, we get back in the car. We go to New Jersey and we go uh, to uh, Eddie F. Uh, condo, and I think he was staying with uh, I think he was dating Spinderella at the time. That's <laughs> good, so you know. And then we go and meet Spinderella. Buck took me to meet Spinderella, Eddie F. Uh, some more people, I, I forgot a few of them though. But, but how is it for you just seeing all these people that you're seeing on TV? And it, it, was just, it was speechless. I didn't want to seem like a uh, a groupie. But deep down inside, I'm like, oh my god! Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I'm like, Sinead, oh my god! <laughs> I mean, how was how was heavy? How was heavy though? No meeting him. Oh man, down he was down to earth, man. He was just like you know, regular dude you see on the street. He uh real down to earth, man. I wow. mean, he, he had like he uh uh knew me you know from, from a while back and then when when I got to work with him again in uh Virginia Beach with Teddy he remembered me. Okay, okay. No so we'll we'll oh, get that, to the... that was like that was about like a four year gap that he still okay. remembered me. Yeah. So so during the summer you guys are are, are part of the, the sort of the, the, the machine, almost like a little Motown. Um and what was Xander and, and Deja with the yeah, Zan, Rex in effect. Uh Deja. It, it was, it was, De, yeah, Deja. No, no, no. Deja wasn't signed to uh GR Production. It was uh the it was the three girl group. Uh, what's it? Abstract, uh, abstract. Wanda, yeah, yeah. Abstract, Wanda, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah with abstract. Mary Brown and, uh, and Rex uh, in effect. Uh, today, Redhead Kingpin. Oh yeah, Redhead, yeah. And um uh, yeah, so Redhead was part of the family too, so. Bub introduced me to him, Redhead. We was over in New Jersey. We met at this uh, club one time. He like, I want you to meet somebody. I like who? He said Dave the Guppy. So I didn't know his real name at the time. <laughs> so we pull up. I like, oh, I like, I screamed out that time. Oh my god! I like that's Redhead, bro. <laughs> so yeah, we, we, you know, we, we hung. Bub had me uh, something everywhere, man. Who sang the hook of "Do the Right Thing"? Was that Bub? That Bub. Big Bub. Actually, Bub is singing on my prerogative too, if you listen. So, so Bub was kind of like uh, in the mix with Gene. Uh, everything like Teddy would uh, produce, they would use vo uh, Bub vocally. So you, if, you know, you'll hear him on a lot of songs. Uh, my prerogative, if you know his voice, you can hear it. 
Yeah, I can uh, hit Aaron. He on, uh, just got paid. Wow, I didn't realize yeah, that. Both of them. Wow. Mm -hmm. So the um, but had they done the first Today album by the time did you guys showed up? Were, were they working on the second album? They was finished with the first one, and Taylor was actually remixing uh singles as they released them. Uh, Take It Off had a remix. Uh, the only one they didn't remix was him, him and me. I, uh, I guess they didn't think him and me needed a remix. I guess yeah. they made an extended, extended version, yeah. but he never remixed it. Okay. So, I mean, so you guys first had this whole idea you wanted to be like the deal and, and time. And then you, you, you're watching Teddy, who, yeah, he must, must have been a young kid, you know, but yeah. very young. What was it like watching him in those early days, those months that you were there? Man, it was like un unbelievable. And that, that was kind of like the first celebrity we saw when we actually went to New York. We was driving uh, down one of the highways and we glanced over on the other side of the hallway, highway and we saw Teddy in a red M3 BMW. <laughs> and, and, and we were and Spec saw him like, that's Teddy, that's Teddy, that's Teddy. I was like, no, it ain't. He, he said, it was Teddy. And I glanced. And I, I saw a figure, but you know, I said, I, I did that one, Teddy. So come to find out when we get to rehearsal the next day, he pull up in a red M3 BMW. So okay. it was there. Okay. But you know, this, this, yeah, I mean, so where we started was that, yeah, so meet, this was when you guys, you know, you, you're meeting Teddy. What was it like um, seeing him, you know, uh, and not, not just a person, but more so the fact that he was just producing hit after hit, you know, hit after yeah, hit. Yeah, we couldn't we we couldn't believe uh, all that was coming from that young kid, man. So we would we just be sitting up in the in their rehearsal, just in awe, just like wow, and and, and just couldn't believe it till we actually saw it, to actually saw it in person. Was was he always? I mean, was he always in the studio just creating music, or what was he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he was busy when we was up there. You know, if it wasn't rehearsal, him and Gene would be in the studio, you know, producing somebody. And uh, I think when we was up there, after rehearsal, they would go do it. They was doing uh, the, the Jackson 5 project at the time. The 2300 Jackson Street, yeah. Yeah. And they was, uh, they was doing that at the time we was up there. Okay. And... Um so for, for you guys then, what, what was the focus? So you, you, you know, you, you've got Teddy doing all this stuff. What was it that basically Black were doing? Wow. But yeah. Gene, Gene already had told us that uh, if we play behind today, that he would give us a, a record deal once we got off the road. So after rehearsal, if we wasn't hanging out, uh, you know, with, with Big Bub or, or Guy or Gene, and you know we would be at the hotel doing original music. Okay. Now, how was that part? So the the writing part. So what 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 was the? Were you guys coming up with the music, or were you coming up with the lyrics? Um, the four of you. What what was what was that like? Uh, we was um. You know, I was I well actually I was the only one that knew the MPC at the time, so I was learning the MPC in the hotel. Uh, like I would lock myself in the room. And, and just learn the MPC. It was, like I said, we, we came from Columbus to New York. So the only drum machine I knew about at the time was a, a Lisa's. And when they put, when Gene put that big old MPC, a Kaya MPC in my face, 
I knew I had some homework to do. Now, uh, so we've got a lot of people who aren't producers or musicians, so they may not understand what an MPC is. So what, what exactly is it? It's a drum machine that triggers, you can uh, record MIDI notes from keyboards, you know. Okay. And the, and the, and the MPC will send the, uh, whatever you record in it back out to the keyboard to loop it, you know, just to, to sequence it. Okay. So, you know, so it, it had drum sound, it was a sampler, you could sample stuff into it. Okay. And it also was a control of uh, the other keyboards. Wow. So, so whatever you play in it. Yeah. Well, prior to that, what were you, you guys doing in, in Columbus? How were you guys making music in Columbus was compared to the oh, MPC? It was, like, <laughs> it was like going straight to uh, audio tape. Like it, it was live. Okay. Like, Okay. And so if you, if you if you messed up, you got to rewind and go back to the beginning. Okay. But with the MPC, if you messed up, you can start right there, or either just you know click in the edit mode and just take a bad note out, wow. put the right note in, and then press play with the MPC. Okay. But yeah. when we was in Columbus, we was like old school. Okay. Now Speck said he he didn't get into the MPC, but he he said better. But you said this is something you. You got into so then what was it that you what was the first type of stuff that you guys recorded to present to gene um we was uh doing just ideas for him and, and and you know he told us just send me ideas they wasn't for basic black oh. but they were for other artists that was coming through gr production so and uh actually when when, when we started uh doing ideas uh, this guy named Timmy Arthur, he uh he the one taught me MIDI. So I got to give a shout out to him. Uh, call him uh, Artie Hoyle. So he taught me MIDI. And once I learned MIDI, it, it was a wrap from there. And so, we, you know, me and Speck would sit at the at the drum machine, you know, do do a few ideas. And then, um, then we, you know, after we did a few uh, demos, you know, for Gene, we'll go out and get some pizza, enjoy the city. <laughs> Come back, <laughs> come back. And we was all in one studio apartment. And we'll come back. The drum machine was set up in the living room. Okay. okay. Uh, we'll come, come back and do a few more ideas. And at the time, we had to go uh, out of the mixer straight into a cassette deck. And we recorded into a cassette deck and, and take the ideas of the gene. And, you know, we didn't we didn't think about doing Basic Black until he said, until uh, we moved back to Georgia. Gene, he, he told us one day, I'm moving the company to Georgia, man. We went crazy. We was going crazy. So, and we thought everybody was, you know, he went down and had the houses picked out for guy, you know. So we thought everybody was coming to Georgia. So we we went home for Christmas, and uh, we got down there, and Gene showed us the houses, and you know, the these said y'all gonna have one like this one day. <laughs> <laughs> but so the stuff that you guys were mixing, um, the ideas, where, where, where did you, where, where were they going to? Because maybe Teddy was so busy, he couldn't produce everybody. So Gene would take well, actually, some uh, Gene, Gene bought me uh, a crate of vinyls. So I had the same crate Teddy had. Okay. And uh, it was like a wide leather briefcase, probably about uh, 12 by 8 inches wide or 10 inches wide. With none but uh, instrumental uh, break beats in them. Wow! So, uh, so Gene bought Teddy one, and he bought me one, 
And so we would, uh, I would chop the sounds up, put them in the MPC, you know, in my off time and just make samples. So were you guys sampling old tracks to make new, new music? Yeah, like old James Brown, you know, and uh, old, you know, old stuff from the 70s, okay. uh, Lynn Collins, uh, stuff like that. But you, 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 you won't go too far to, as to take do proper sampling or, or were they, because I know clearance and everything, or were you, did you learn how to just take enough not to make it sound like the original? Yeah, it was, uh, I, usually, I usually just sampled the drums. And what I would do, I, I would chop the drums up. I would make, uh, like if I got a drum loop, I have a kick from that loop, snare, hi-hat, and, and, and uh, probably maybe a percussion from that same loop. And I would play it back in different. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, but during those times when you, would, you guys were doing that, did any of, you know, you mentioned one of your tracks uh, with, with another group, but did you hear any more stuff that you guys were creating that went to other artists that um, that you, without credits. Uh, I think uh, that was the only one at the time because he was working uh, on Starpoint close to the time Gene was getting ready to move uh, the company to Georgia. But we we quite sure he would have used some more stuff. But you know we we knocked out Starpoint I think before the turn of the year. And uh, then Gene said we're moving to Georgia around New Year. And, you know, he still had some ideas from us. But, you know, as soon as we got back to Georgia, that's when the split happened. Did, could you see anything happening while you guys, before you, for called Christmas, to show that there were some issues happening? We uh, we heard stuff, but we, we didn't want to believe it. Because Gene was telling us different, but we were hearing, you know, from other people, like, you know, you know they... Uh, guy about to leave Gene and you know but Gene was telling us you know nah everything's good guy ain't going nowhere and you know we're gonna be one big family down here in Georgia. What about today Bob today and, and those guys what was did, were, were they in the middle as well? What? Yeah they uh Gene said everybody said the whole company was coming to Georgia. But then when the split happened what happened to, to today? Uh I think today followed Teddy. It, it was either Teddy or Gene. Okay. So, you know, uh, being that today knew Teddy longer than they knew uh, Gene, you know, a uh, few of them stayed uh, up, up in New York, New Jersey with Teddy. And uh, us and Zan came down south with Gene. Okay. And, uh, and Timmy Arthur. He had Timmy Arthur as the artist too. He was a real talented guy. Okay. But then for you guys, um, before the split, though, did you say, did, did you think that you, did, did you get enough? I mean, did you get to even see Teddy work before the split? Well, yeah, once I learned that, uh, once I learned the drum machine, I, I feel we could, we had enough to do, uh, do, you know, anything we wanted musically. Oh. Okay. We, you know, we was, we was kind of talented too as a group. Okay. Okay. So you guys moved back, back, back to Georgia um, you hear about the split. Did you feel as if, the, how was it like knowing when the split actually did happen, Guy and, and half Bob, who you seem to have had a good relationship with, going to one side and, 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 and how did it feel for you? Uh, it, 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 it kind of felt down for a minute, you know, because we were looking forward to be uh, like that, that uh, 
GR Production, you know, New Jack Swing family. And, uh, you know, we it, we didn't take it too good at first. But, you know, at the end of the day, we knew we had a job to do too, so. Yeah. So is it when you guys moved to Georgia that he was able to get you, did he try and get you to Motown or was he saying, well, I'm going to release you independently? Yeah, he, uh, he, um, he, he released us independently first on his label. It was a... Uh, Sony, it was called the Sound of New York. Okay. And then he had, a, then he had a GEG Entertainment. So it was either Sound of New York or GEG. And I think he put She's Mine out on first on a GEG. And he released those to the radio. Okay. And then okay. he changed it to Sound of New York. And, okay. Uh, he, he put it out uh, nationwide on Sound of New York. And wow. then then Motown picked up Sound of New York, and that's what got us on Motown. So when you guys, um, so like, if, I think there's the two big ones that I knew was uh, She's Mine and Nothing But a Party. If we, what were the first thing was She's Mine? Uh, who, who, who did the sort of the writing and then the production on that? Uh, we wrote that in the project. It was, uh, actually, uh, me, Daryl, and KB, we penned it. We wrote the lyrics. Uh, me and Speck did the music. I did the beat. Uh, Speck did the keys. Uh, and me, Darren, me, Darren, KB wrote it. And we were actually in the projects. In New York? Uh, at, no, in Columbus. Okay, you guys have projects in Columbus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we was uh, over my sister's house in the, in the projects. And that's where we started She's Mine at. Okay. Now, did, did, you, did you then think we could try and sample the sort of the New Jack sound or did Gene say, look, I want you guys to sound like Guy or, 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 and today, or what was the feeling around the drums and the, and the stuff? Yeah, he told us he wanted New Jack. He said, it got to be New Jack. <laughs> and I, okay. like I said, I had, I had the same crate samples that Teddy had. Okay. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't ask, you know, Teddy, what sample should I use? Or, you know, I just went through the crate on my own. And at the time, Gene was kind of playing us against each other, you know, once he knew a uh, guy wasn't coming back. So, yeah, but at, at, at the same time, you know, Teddy was reaching out, sending messages to us, don't sign oh. with Gene, yeah, don't sign with Gene, I want y'all to come to New York. And, you know, of course we couldn't tell Gene that. Oh, okay, so he was still trying to try trying to be with you guys. Yeah, we. I, I just think at the time he didn't want uh he didn't want Gene to be uh successful. So, uh, but he was sending messages down. Uh, we knew the same people. They're like, man, Teddy wants y'all to call him. And, you know, yeah, he said he got something for y'all. He don't want y'all to sign to Gene. But but did you did you guys have a conversation about that and decide? Oh, what was it? Did you? How 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 did that go? We talked amongst ourselves, but we uh we decided to, uh, to stay because we was at home with family and we you know we figured uh Gene was the money man, so I mean we <laughs> you know okay. okay. And and you know it kind of makes sense. I mean it's 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 a, it's hard to yeah, to you know, trust and everything. I, I guess Gene kind of your news mom, he he's, he called for you guys and stuff like that. Yeah. But so what? What about nothing but okay? If we get to nothing but a party, how was? How did? Um, who, who did? Who did the writing and production of that? 
Okay, nothing but a party was done uh, when Gene moved us back. We was, uh, When we first came from New York, everybody went uh, to our hometown, Columbus. So Gene said, after the holidays, I'm going to find you out a spot up in Atlanta, close to me. So we just, you know, it was like a production house. We knock out music, then we go in the studio. And that's exactly what, you know, started happening. So after the holidays, everybody came back up to, uh, to Atlanta, and he moved us to Duluth. Uh, it was us, Dizo, Zan the Man, and Zan had a friend, his uh, girlfriend staying with him at the time, and uh, Artie and Sprague. And uh, like one music house, man, in the morning we get up, eat breakfast. Uh, if, if Artie wasn't on the drum machine, I would be on it. And we had it set up in the living room again. And, you know, if we was doing music, Zan would go running with, with his friend, with his girlfriend. And then when we um, we got through, with Basic Black got through, you know, uh, either Zan or, or Artie would get on the drum machine. And um, so, you know, and, and we did nothing but a party because uh, um, there was a club in our hometown called City Lights. And we actually, you know, the, the, uh, the owner used to let us in. Okay. Like free when we do it at home, and, and we just told him one day, man, we gonna write a song about the club. And he <laughs> thought we were playing, oh man, now nah, y'all just bullying, y'all just bsing. Yeah. And then uh, we uh we went back to Atlanta and we wrote the the uh number of the party song. Yeah, the only song we know is City Lights. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, I, you know, I was on the drums. I did the drums. I did a little bit of keys. Beck did a lot of the keys, and the writing was me, KB, and uh. Uh, me, KB, Dizo, and uh, and Gene actually put in some fill-ins. He didn't want to told us to throw the uh, the only party we know the only party the only party we know is City Lights. Well, okay, okay, you know, okay. Gene, but he, but we we actually called the song uh, "Nothing But a Party" after the uh, the club City Lights. Okay, you know it's funny because I, I that's probably one of my you know favorite New Jack tracks. Uh -huh. um, for many years, and there was a track. I thought, oh, man, I'm sure Teddy produced it because it was, you know, it's really, it was, you know, the really powerful stuff. But did he ever, has he ever told you guys about what he thought about the track late, years later? Or even then? Years later, he told me, he told me, because he sent for me after Basic Black uh, split with Gene. Mm -hmm. Teddy uh, finally got in touch with me and, and flew me up to Virginia Beach. So when I got there, he like, man, he like, like I always want to tell y'all, man, I, I, you know, y'all, y'all album was really nice. He said, he said y'all had a lot of talent. He just, I always wanted y'all under me. So that's what he, you know, he told me up there in, uh, in Virginia Beach. But yeah, he say he say he loved the album. He he was crazy about uh, like nothing but a party, cheese mind. Those are two of his favorites. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was that's really good to hear. So here you guys have recorded the stuff. Diesel's amazing vocals on it. Um, She's Mine comes out. They get a remix with, with CL. Did you and then Motown come picking you guys up? What, what how was it for you guys? Did you feel like, yep, we're finally here. The money started coming oh, yeah. in. Once once we met Stevie Wonder, we we realized, <laughs> you know, we we once we saw Vine Street and. And met Stevie and some more artists up in Mot at the Motown building. And we were like, okay, it's sinking <laughs> in now. We finally made it. Uh, but then what, what? I'm surprised the album didn't do bigger than it did. What, what do you think? What was wrong? Well, um, 
well, after that album, we kind of like start questioning, you know, asking questions and, you know, when, when are we going to see some royalties and stuff like that. And uh, then Gene started trying to play us against each other and he started pulling back on promotions. And uh, I think Mo, once Motown got whiffed of it, they started pulling back off it too because they feel it's going to be another uh, Gene and Guy situation to split up. So we know uh, right after we finished the first album, Gene uh, immediately told us we need to start working on the second album. And yeah. we was like, wait a minute. Like, where, you know, where the royalties at from the first one? And we didn't know about royalties. You know, we didn't know about the mechanicals and all that stuff. You know, we just were happy, sign the contract, do videos and get out there. And uh, so we we start questioning him about the money. Then he start, well, you know, I asked, I asked him about the royalties. Then he was like, but Motown don't want you. They just want the other three. I like, oh really? <laughs> oh. So then I said, okay, I'm, I'm leaving. Then so I walk out to meet. Then he come out in the off, out of, out in the hallway and talk to me. You know, get me to come back in the meeting. You know, but it, it still went south. You know, after that, and and I didn't I didn't have to question Gene about the money because I was I was getting everything I wanted anyway because we was in the uh, studio. Once we finished the first Basic Black album, I was helping Gene do other artists like uh, Atlanta Rap Band and Pretty in Pink and, you know, some more stuff he was doing. And uh, and Gene was paying me. Okay. And, you know, I went and bought me a Mercedes. I had my own uh, apartment with a loft. I didn't have to shop for clothes, you know. But, I, you know, being that the other three members wasn't, you know, living like me, I still went to bat for them, so I actually, I actually didn't have to question, but I, you know, type of person I have, I, you know, I asked them what about the royalties for the first album. Yeah, so and and I guess that's we've seen the new edition, we've seen the TLC. I mean, I think most of us as fans did not realize about royalties and stuff until Left Eye at the Grammy says. We've sold 10 million albums and we have got no money. And, and I think that's when most of us thought, oh, we didn't know because we, we see you guys doing videos and stuff and think, oh, you guys are all making loads of money. And I think Left Eye opened up the world to see, look, we're doing all the stuff. we got no money and, and the business. And it's not just that the label, but it's also management can take some offers as well. Yeah, I got, I, I got a Left Eye story. Speaking of Left Eye, she was actually on a... Roughneck with MC Light. Oh, in what parts? She was actually on the second verse, but what happened when Pebbles heard the song, Pebbles said she wanted 80% of the track <laughs> of the whole song. And so me, MC Light, uh, Akil was going to have to split 20%. You're kidding me, just because Left Eye was on it. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, MC Light turned it down. She did the whole song herself. And if you actually, if you go to the uh, House Party soundtrack, House Party song, Left Eye, the one Left Eye on, what she's saying is actually her verse she had on uh, Roughneck. Wow. If you listen, she actually said Roughneck in the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we wouldn't be, yeah, we wouldn't have connected the two stuff. Um, but yeah, that's actually when. When uh when uh MC Light pulled her off the song, um, 
she she kept her verse and put it on the uh, house party okay. uh, verse. So that it's word for word. So if you if you can find the, her acapella to that and put it on the second verse of uh, Roughneck, that's what you had. So the MC Light featuring uh, Left Eye from TLC. Wow, goodness. Well, she would have. So Go ahead. I think it would have went platinum if it would have kept uh, uh, left eye on it. But it was MC Light's biggest track to back then, and it yeah. took it to another level because you know that was her yeah. biggest track. So in a sense, it would have uh, overshadowed if she if she had MC um, left eye on it because we this is us watching MC Light taking on a track on her own, going gold. And knocking out yeah. doors, but if she's had somebody else on it, it would be saying, "Oh, this I is." I think it would have touched another market. I think it would have touched that pop market with uh, with Left Eye on it. Yeah, yeah. But, but so, but we're, we're going to come into your production stuff. But so um, I, I guess we're just um, a lot of us. But what I brought on Left Eye was because the world started to understand that artists were fairly yeah. paid. But also, we were we started to hear, you know, you mentioned Pebbles and 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 you know TLC have mentioned about how Pebbles had a deal, which she signed with LaFace meant that she gets you know some of the money. We've seen the new edition story, so you've had Gene, who Teddy is saying, look, leave Gene because he's going to take your money. Look at what he's doing to us, and then you start to question him about royalties and stuff, and he and he's playing you guys. Did you then think, you know, it's this basic black, I mean, you've done one album, you still had the opportunity to do another album. How did you guys decide to call it quits? Was it because you guys were having infighting among yourselves or was it because you're like, we're not going to make it with Gene or what, 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 what was the decision? Yeah, we, we, stood, we stood together. So we weren't fighting amongst each other, but we just figured, like, you know, it, it's not going to get any better, you know. Like, the more money he get, the, the more he going to want. So we, you know, we decided to just, you know, just take a break. Well, you guys know, so we, we I've heard stories from others um, who've been around. Fat Man Scoop, was he around when you, when you guys were in New York? Did you notice it? Mm, I don't, I don't, I don't remember Fat Man Scoop. He, he, he said he was with, um, he was friends with Markel, um, Rex and Effects, so he was part of okay. their sort of group, but... But he's, we, he's interviewed Teddy a couple of months ago and said how Gene was the Suge Knight before Suge Knight first, kind of thing. Gene was the first Suge Knight. <laughs> yes, and then in fact, Suge Knight learned from Gene how to do stuff. Did you guys feel threatened at all, you, yourself personally? Not me, not me. I, I, I came up differently from the... Uh, from the other three. So that's why, you know, when, when I said me and Gene had the little altercation, I stepped out in the hall. You know, he asked me to step out in the hall and I, I stepped out in the hall. <laughs> so then he started talking to me like, like, man, come on, do the second album, man. You know, Motown waiting on it, you know. So, but not me, but, uh, you know, the other three may have been, you know, a little frightened from it. But I, I like I came, like I said, I, I was from the projects. I came up from the projects. So yeah, I, I don't, even though I knew his past, I, it, I just, it ain't either for, I mean, I just don't get scared like that from, you know, from knowing about somebody's past. Yeah. Yeah. So it, when you guys decide to split the group, then did you continue with Gene after the group disbanded or what, what did you end up doing? 
No, nah, we uh, we kept working. Uh, we kept doing music as Basic Black. Oh. And you know, but we couldn't. Uh, we was doing music as Basic Black, and we we couldn't find nobody that would go against Gene to get us out the contract. You know, to work with us. Everybody was scared of Gene. Wow. Until we met with, uh, one lawyer that said, uh, I can find breaches in your contract and I can get you out of your contract. And by that time, you know, everybody had grew apart, you know, and, um, you know, we just we just went our separate ways. It, it it took a while. So we had we was gone from the game probably a year or two. OK, so before, what were you guys doing? Actually, uh, just kept doing uh, production. But you were doing uh, it separately, or, or uh, as a, yeah, we 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 working separately. Okay. So when he finally got you, with the lawyer got you guys out of the contract. Yeah, the lawyer got us out, and by that time, you know, uh, we was dismantled then, so it wasn't no more basic black. Okay. And uh, so uh, immediately after we got out the contract, uh, I got that call from uh, from Virginia Beach. Okay. So then. Teddy reaches out, and what are you, what are you thinking about when he's calling you to, to come down to Virginia? And, and this was around what year was this? Uh, 91, 92. So 91, 92. So has he finished doing the Michael Jackson album, and he's working on the Bobby album? Has he finished the Bobby album? Yeah, he's working on, he's working on Black Street first album. Okay, okay, okay. So he calls you out. Um, so did you have, did you think... You, were you ready to leave uh, Georgia to, to move out to Virginia, or what was your? Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I was ready to go. Okay. You know, he picked me up from the airport. Uh, he was, uh, he sent uh, his assistant to pick me up, and uh, they brought me to the studio, brought me into the A-room, and showed him I had, I had arrived. They're like, good, good. He, like, turned around, like, like. Like glad to see you. Say I'm gonna talk to you in a minute. So he, they took me in the uh, lounge while he was finished mixing uh, one of uh, Black Street songs. And then once he finished, he came in and talked to me, told me about what he, you know, what he want me to do. You know, I, you know, showed me B room. Says is equipped it with a. Uh, he was on an Atari computer at the time, but he was running uh, Logic. And he said. He said, trust me, once you learn this, you're going to put the MPC, Akai MPC down. I'm like, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. So he showed me and, you know, and he, eventually I, I, I put the MPC in the closet. <laughs> okay. So who was in Virginia back when you, did you recognize anyone when you got to Virginia? Uh, I recognized his bodyguard, Sifu, uh, Markel. Uh, who who else was there at the time? Just Sifu and and, and Markel. Sifu is his old bodyguard. But you know, there was no Bob wasn't there because I know Bob was on the Bobby album, but Bob wasn't there. And um, abstract. No, Bobby had just finished, but I knew Bobby from Atlanta. Okay, so no, but they like so because when I spoke to um, John Marie, he, he was talking about all the you know he said that t every you know Tammy Lucas and Mary Brown and. Okay, Bell, yeah, everybody was. Lucas, I, I, I did. I, uh, I, I remember Tammy Lucas was there too. So, uh, seafood, Tammy Lucas, and, and Markel, Teddy's brother. Okay, okay. So, I met them three in New York. 
Okay, so you guys then, so the first thing you were doing is starting to work on the um, on the Bobby album and stuff. I oh, sorry, Black Street. I, I got that Black after Street. Bobby. Okay, the Black Street album. Yeah. So, uh, what did he bring you to particularly do on the album? He just told me to work with this writer, one of the members in the group. He introduced me to Chauncey Black. Okay. Uh, we sat. We sat in. Uh, I think Teddy had a Mercedes at the time. You know he. Teddy would give us uh, songs to write to. So me and Chelsea would pen songs. And then, you know, then after that, then I'd go in B-Room and do a beat. And then Chelsea and Levi would write to it. So you oh. know, he uh, introduced me to those two at first. And actually, I met uh, Joe Stone Street, but uh, Stone Street didn't come to the studio as, until he was needed to do vocals. <laughs> Why is that? I don't, I can't tell you. <laughs> okay, okay. He just needed need his me time. Okay, okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, but I would see Levi and uh, Chauncey there a lot. So they, you know, they stayed in the studio. Okay. So then you, you which, which which other tracks did you, did you contribute? Did you do most of your contribution on that first album? Well, I, I, I did a Baby Be Mine remix, but it, it, it got titled for somebody else's production. So when I, you know, when I asked him about it, he said, oh, my assistant put the wrong information down and, you know, I was like, okay. So, I, you know, that was the first one. So I let that slide. Then the second album, I, I worked on uh, uh, Your Love, uh, the joint called Your Love on there and some more remixes. Okay. Yeah, no, so I've, I've recognized your name from a lot of, um, of the Black Street stuff. Um, um, but so from this first album, you do the first album, then what else? First Black Street album, then what else were you were you doing? Oh, uh, he would tell me, okay, I got a uh, Heavy D coming down. You know, they need a remake for this song. He'll play it for me. And I'm like, okay. Then I go in B-Room, do an idea, present it to him, and uh, and give it to him. And I, and actually, I'm, I'm probably one of the uh, few producers that Teddy would leave alone in the studio that wouldn't touch like a a, a a sound or anything. It was me and and, and maybe spray. But in, all the other producers would come in and have to go behind and and fix a snare or something like that. But I'm I'm probably one of the only producers that he didn't have to do that to. Did you bring Sprague with you or how how did Sprague Yeah Sprague came uh Sprague was our keyboard tech when we went to New York. No, but when you went to Virginia, did you say Sprague when going to Virginia? And uh, he came I, with you? Well, at, after I got settled, I sent for uh, Sprague, and I sent for my my best my best friend Tim Smith was kind of like my uh, manager assistant at the time. So Sprague and Tim Smith. Once I got settled in my own place, I sent for those two. And okay. we, we was kind of like we was like the three students. Okay. Okay. And, and then after that, I, uh, once I got settled. And I was getting ready to work on my my own group. I sent for Dizo. So, how did is it was it nine eleven or was it nine one one? What was the nine one one? Okay, not nine eleven. Nine one one. So, yeah. how, how did that come about? Uh, actually, it was started by uh, Mike Conception. So Teddy talks about him quite a bit, like uh, the guy who connected him with Michael and stuff. Okay. Yeah, Mike Conception actually told uh, put me with one of his producers. Uh, Demetrius Ship, which actually helped Teddy on uh, some Michael Jackson stuff on the album. And uh, so uh, Michael Sheppard had uh, 
meet and he told him, you know, I'm, I'm doing a group called 911. I want you to, you know, join in with him. And that's when I met uh, Demetrius Ship. And we were actually looking for a third member. So we are, uh, we are, uh, I called Diesel down. Okay. And, and so he was, so this was, were you supposed to sing on that? Because I didn't realize you, you were a singer. Did, were you supposed to sing on it? Oh, me? Yeah. No, I'm not really a singer. So he, <laughs> I just enjoyed most of the production. And uh, Demetrius Ship is a hell of a producer, too. So it made it easier for me and him, to, you know, to join up together. So, But Dizo and, and, and Meech were going to be in charge of the vocals. And, and, and Demetrius is a uh, hell of a vocalist, too. Yeah, I've seen Demetrius so, uh, Ship. Yeah, I've seen his his name on a number of credits with Teddy's credits, stuff like that. Uh, Tupac, he did some Tupac stuff too. Okay, so but why why would they want you to be in the group if they didn't think if you couldn't sing? Uh, it was uh, I mean at at the time it was just like a chemistry thing, like me and Meech got along real good together, and then Mike Mike liked me too, Mike Perception, he. Uh, like me, might like me a lot. So, uh, me, me and Meech hooked up, and they we were looking for a third singer, and I and I referred uh, Diesel to him. Okay. So the first thing you guys did was that cutie. Cutie, but it it took a while because uh, after Mike and Teddy fell out, uh, Mike went back to California, and and Dimitri, uh Meech ship went back with him. So I had to replace, uh, I had to try to find, I kept doing the group, you know, which Mike was cool with. And uh, so I called, uh, I called Rob. And uh, Rob did it for a while. And I, I think Rob just didn't like the feel of everything. So he, he but he laid his vocal on a few tracks. And that's when we called, uh, he introduced us to uh, Marcus Vance, Slim. And uh, we end up with me, Slim, and Diesel. Okay. So, what was Teddy's thought about what you guys were doing nine one one? Oh, he was with it. He he wanted to sign the group. He uh, he wanted to sign the group, but he was taking us lightly. So, but he was doing a lot of stuff. You know, he just had his hands in on too much stuff. <laughs> and when we were doing nine one one. You know, he heard it. He like, wow. He like, man, I want y'all to sign to uh, LOR, Life of Riley. Yeah. And he was like, cool. So we were doing the album, and you know, we he just kept, you know, like delaying everything. So we re we released the song on a uh, Rob old label, uh, which was which had the '69 Boys. I forgot what's the name of the label. Rip It Records. Rip It. Okay. And they sent it overseas. And and so when Teddy and Blackstreet went overseas, they heard the song in the club. Wow. And he was like, who is that? And they like this group called 911. He was like, wow. So he, as soon as he got back home, he sat down with us, you know, drew us, drew us up a contract. And like, you know, I want y'all to sign to uh, LOR Records. But it so, took that single being released on a, on a uh, Rip It Records. And they shipped it overseas. It just so happened Blackstreet was over there and they heard it. And when Teddy came back home, he had to make a deal. Uh, of course, he had to make a deal with Rippin' Records to get us okay, on yes. LOR. Now, and it must have been hard because here he is, the, you know, the first Blackstreet album did 
did well, you know, especially um, before I let you go. Mm. And then he's he's still producing lots of different art, uh, acts. Then you know, Rex and Effects. How does he have time then to start running a record label and stuff like that? So what were you guys doing in the interim when were you still back into in the production stuff or? Yeah, yeah, he had producers. Uh, um, sometime I go to a room, Sprague being B room, Ty Fife would be another. Oh, Ty. Room. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so he had producers, uh, Sprague. Like I said, I mentioned Sprague. Mm -hmm. uh, then, you know, Ty had that New York flavor. And uh, Sprague had a uh, more melodic flavor than me because he's from the church. Okay. And then I, I kind of had that. Like, I can I can do a beat to make it sound exactly like Teddy. So, and actually, we did that with a, uh, with a few labels. And I guess that's probably... Because I think one of the things that we, we, you know, artists and producers could say, our name's not on the credit. But then I've spoken to some artists that say, you know, that a label would say, if we get produced by Teddy Riley or produced by Babyface or Timlin, it adds some extra spice to the label, uh, to, to radio and to the public. So sometimes they would almost say, well, if you doing production on a Teddy, if we don't have you, if we don't have his name on it, we may not be able to push it as much as we could if we just put your name. Did you guys notice that? And how did you receive that when your credits would be? Because I've heard even some of the hit men talk about how Puffy would have his name as a producer when he probably just came in and just says, I like that. And then after he's, a, he's one of the producers. Yeah. What was it like for you guys? Yeah, well, I knew, I, I knew the game was mostly, uh, politics a lot so they knew if he, they had Teddy Riley stamp on it that you know it would either sell more you know get more recognition and, and we understood that so I mean he had built the name for himself so you know sometimes we knew he had to put his stamp on him but at, at the same time we expect our stamp to be on that after his and a lot of times that didn't happen okay okay you guys did uh, riff Judy had a baby a boyfriend sorry Judy had a girlfriend Oh, yeah, I think it's Judy had a boyfriend or something. Judy had a boyfriend. Yeah, did you do? Did you did you work on that? Uh, did you work on that yeah. track? Okay. Yeah, that's, that's my... Actually, they got a riff. It's called Mucho Mix. Okay. Judy had, Judy had a boyfriend, and, and on, on the title it said Mucho Mix. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's funny, because I, I, uh, when I interviewed Nitty, um, to, and, and he was saying, look, when they came out with their first album, they, they were all very pop. But when they came for the second album, they wanted to be like Jodeci. They really wanted that sort of Teddy sort of stuff. And they went with this kind of tracks, which the label says, okay, we'll push it, but it's, you know, but we, you know, so, and that was one of the tracks that came out and stuff. What was the other, what was another track that you kind of did, not with Rick, but anyone that you're really proud of in those early days? Uh, um, that, uh, really, well, all of them I'm, I'm, I'm proud of. Yeah, like which, which, LLB which one? Like this? Mix, remix. Okay. And, um, the Queen Latifah, Just Another Day remix, the, uh, Heavy D, uh, it's like Mary J remix. It, I, I which, was which Mary J remix? Which one? It was the uh, changes and uh, my oh. love, but I, I, then again, I didn't get no credit. And I, and but if it was put on my assistant, 
put the wrong info on there. So that changed, um, that, that might love, because I could tell you was doing a vocal on, on that, or was that you? Who did the vocal of the, on the My Actually, the, vo the, the vocal is on that one is actually me. And I think Teddy may add a few notes, but I didn't get any credit. Okay, okay. And I, and I wonder if this is Uptown pushing the remix based on the, the producer's name and stuff like that. Yeah, well, you know, that, he, he, drew, he, drew the, he drew them in with his name. I, I'm trying to see that he get David Wynn any credit on that one. I don't know, but I know David Wynn should have been on there. But the thing is that I, we don't have CDs anymore, but your, your name, Sprug, David Wynn, Ty, all your names are very familiar to New Jack fans who read the credits. So I, so from us, it's not as if we don't know who you guys are because we read the credits. So we see the names um, working a lot. So we see Teddy's name there, but we'd see you guys alongside in, in various different parts of the production of those tracks. Um, but then what was it? So you guys, the th first time I heard about 911 was um, magazine, in a magazine. The girl was looking good, oh, yeah. like a nation. Now, I remember one. when I saw her, I saw her in the magazine. Her body's tight, her thing is right, reminds me of a girl from around the way. I saw her in the magazine. Uh, I heard you've been looking for me, digging me down, giving me nothing but peace. I please, you know where to find me when you need me, Queen P. To my league, feel me, yes, you indulge in your magazine. I couldn't believe my eyes when I opened up that magazine. It was the finest girl I ever seen. I think I knew her face. I saw her hanging out all the way, watching all the players play. Whoa, her style sits off this globe, and when she was it
used to want to wake you down like a trophy huh? On the low, low, never show it off like them other hoes I let my appearance show and prove That's my motto, boom, styles of all types That's a pure for life, keeps it tight Queen Pen had just come out with the um, after Black Streets no no diggity, so she was featured on it. But it was actually who did the production on that because it sounded sounded like Teddy was doing a lot of the production on that. The sound Teddy well. did Teddy did production on that, and what happened? They needed a. Uh, I had went back to Georgia for you know I had got mad, went back to Georgia for a little while with my manager because he, he was he was holding up the nine one one project. So they uh, who was Teddy or your manager? Yeah, Teddy. Okay. <laughs> so, so they uh they called me and said, "Yo, man, Teddy got this track that they need for the soundtrack. Can't nobody write nothing to." And I said, "Let me hear." It. And you know, they let me hear. It. All right. And then the next day, me and my manager uh we flew back up to Virginia Beach. Me, Diesel, uh, thank Chauncey. We, uh, me and Dizo got it started. So, you know, I, I guess they couldn't find the right melody for us. So I got it started. Dizo helped out. And then Chauncey came in. And we actually finished the lyrics in, uh, probably 30 minutes then. Wow. But they couldn't get, they couldn't find a melody to it for it at first. So uh, once I, uh, I, you know, I, I, I could hear Dizo singing on it anyway. So I started pinning it. And then once, after that first verse, it, it just went from there. And then after you guys recorded it, then did you know it was for the, I think it was um, something Strictly Business or something? Not, nothing to Lose nothing soundtrack. Nothing to Lose soundtrack. It was, it, it was supposed to be on our album too. Because, uh, you know, this is what happened when uh, when Teddy signed 911, he was doing the Guy 3 album too. Oh, okay. So he, he went to Trinidad to do the Guy 3 album and left the, uh, the Virginia Beach studio to 911. So me, on, yeah, me, Diesel, and Slim, we knocked the album out. And Teddy came home for a break, and he heard he heard like 12 songs finished, and he couldn't believe it. So, but Guy wasn't finished at the time. So then he came back to us. He said, okay, uh, uh, he said, uh, Interscope need two more upbeats from y'all. I said, okay, cool. So we uh, they go back to Trinidad. I go to Atlanta. We knock out. Uh, one upbeat, one more upbeat, and we did the the um in the magazine. He heard those two. He still he couldn't believe, it, so he tried to come up with another excuse, and he you know he just kept coming up with excuses. And and, and we heard that Jimmy Iovine wanted the album, but Teddy would never, you know, uh, give it to him. And I, and Teddy told me one day he like man, he said if y'all come out, y'all gonna y'all may not got out the box. And that's what he took. I said, but we signed to your label, which didn't make sense to us. So he was worried about competition, but we was on his label. So, but it was so this because he'd left Black Streets, went back to Guy, 
Did you guys? I thought I saw your name on some of the guy three tracks. Yeah, actually, when he dismantled nine one one album, he put the misery song, which was nine one one. He put it on guy. He did rescue me. We did that when he put that on guy. Oh, rescue me! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think it was another song. Uh, it was, I think he took like three or four of our songs off the nine one album and uh, put it on guy. But the you know the vocals. It didn't sound nothing like Diesel vocal. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was good songs though, but Diesel gave it an extra, uh, that extra feel to it. Wow. Okay. So after that happened though, how did it? So what did happen? What did that do to the relationship between you guys? Uh, we uh, after that, uh, I think Diesel stayed. You know, cause. Uh, Everybody was paying their own bills at the time. So I, Sprague and Diesel stayed in Virginia Beach. And uh, I moved back to Georgia, but we kept in touch, me, uh, Sprague, and Diesel. Slim moved back to uh, Florida. And uh, we, you know, we, we kept in touch. And then so what, what did you end up doing when you moved back to, to Georgia? Uh, I started doing, uh, you know, Teddy would call me every now and then. I need a, need a song. You know, A. Marie, I did a joint on A. Marie for him. And, you know, every now and then he'll call me and ask, could I do my mix for, you know, certain artists? And I, I would do them. Fly back up, do the, beat, do the beat, and come back home. Okay. But then, but when you're not doing that, what were you, were you what was your plan about what, what you wanted to do going forward? Yeah, we was, uh, we were still trying to do the 911, but, you know, by that time, everybody had to find a way to pay the bill. So Diesel got on with uh, Justin Timberlake, you know, Slim joined a uh, local band back home doing clubs. And, you know, I started doing, you know, local beats for people down here. Okay. And so um, what then, what, what sort of happened after, because I know that um, there was the opportunity to reform um, basic black um, a number of years ago. Did you initially join in? Uh, we was talking about it, but Diesel didn't want to work with certain members at the time. So, you know, they was telling me that uh, Diesel wants you out the group and he'll do it. But Diesel was telling me, <laughs> I want to, no, it ain't you. It's another member I don't want to work with. So, but then, you know, after that didn't go through. So me, Diesel, and Slim started back talking about doing 911. Okay. And, you know, and uh, unfortunately, you know, he passed. So, and, you know, we were, we had talked two weeks before he passed. I was supposed to go down there and then uh, we were supposed to cut a song we was doing Computer Love over. And uh -huh. I had sent him the track. And he was getting ready to cut it. Uh, was his death on a sudden death? Yeah, uh, it was, I, I'm thinking it was COVID because the way he died, that was that was before COVID hit. They said COVID started in March, but Diesel died in February. But oh, his symptom year. was uh, last year. Oh, last year. Okay. Yeah, so the, his symptoms were like, uh, uh, was it this year? February. February this year. Uh, yeah, I think it was February this year. Oh. Yeah, 2020. And it was it was 
He died a month before that first, they said that first case, but his symptom was was COVID-like. Yeah. But they didn't they didn't know about it at the time. Yeah. Wow. Wow, yeah, such a so he was he was fine, just okay, okay. But then then did you but were you ready to go back in a group situation or did how's how's production? Did you not want to continue behind the scenes? And I would have thought production is easier to spend time with a family, you know, traveling and stuff yeah. like that. It it is, but but I want to be back out on the major market. So, but you know, once you've been off the scene for a little while, people tend to forget about you. So, and then Atlanta is real. If you're not in with the right crowd, you know, you, you know, <laughs> they know hard to get in. Wow. I mean, so but what's it like now for you? What what is it that you that you that you you you're working on? Oh, uh, still doing the black blackmail group. And we had started on that. Blackmail or? Blackmail. Oh, a male group called Blackmail. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah, I actually did a a, a video demo on uh, Instagram last year. But as soon as we got ready to get started, that's when COVID hit. Okay. So, uh, and uh, it was me, uh, one of my nephews, uh, Ty Styles, uh, Dre Riley, which was one of the original members of uh, what is it, uh, day one? Was uh, what's the group Puffy had uh, that was on that uh, that series? Uh, I think oh, it was day me, one, right? Something, something about the music or something. Okay, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, the band, something the band. Yeah, Dre and Dre Riley, and, uh, and then I got Slim from Nine One One. So we 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 working on stuff separate separately right now. And uh, but when I I I pull that video up and shoot it to you. Okay. It's called Black Man. The okay. group is called Black Man. Okay. And um, but so what are you looking to go independent or what's what's the situation? Yeah, we 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 trying to come overseas. We're gonna bring New Jack. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bring New Jack back. <laughs> we we heard y'all feel like New Jack over there. Yeah, but you know, it's it's not just here because um, ever since Pastor Mike came out, um, it's on YouTube. It's just gone crazy with a lot of people who have who watched that and and they've said, "Wow, look at this! Is how music used to be," and 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 there's that sense of the vocals, the, the sort of the not hiding behind a production. I think that's one of the issues that a lot of people who are in their mid forties who remember the nineties is that yeah. you had you had good music, but you had a story, you had the lyrics, and you had the vocals. I think what they're noticing now is that it's more sample, a lot of instrumentals, a lot of people Yeah, auto tunes to sing <laughs> all the stuff. And so there's a disconnect. So with the type of music that people are interested in. So when Cassidy, so the first, um, when the verses came out, the Teddy Riley Babyface was the biggest one because mm. they went back to their catalogs and people, I mean, they, Instagram couldn't even handle all the people that came in. Yeah. But since then, I think verses has gone back into hip hop and people are turned off on it. So when Cassidy came out with Pastor Mike 2 and 3, especially 3, it was like, wow, this is the stuff of music we want. So the problem is that radio 
are playing what getting pushed by the labels. The labels are pushing the kind of beat maker music because it's cheaper mm. to do. It's yeah. cheap. It's, you don't need to develop the artist. You don't need to, you can just put anyone out that looks good, has a million followers on Instagram and put out a, a record. It gets streamed, it gets played here. So they don't necessarily need to develop artists who can vocals. They can just put out anyone who, who looks good, has a good following and make money from them. So it's quite hard to get good quality music created and pushed. Um, so how do you think you could, because Bruno Mars did it, but he, you know, he's already, you know, he, he, he had the platform. How do you think you can bring New Jack to this type of audience? Well, I'm, uh, it's not going to be all New Jack. You're going to know there's going to be a New Jack beat, but it's going to have some uh, up-to-date melodies to it with the up-to-date vocals. So it, uh, it's going to be a mixture of uh, New Jack, 90s meet the you know, 2020. But if, you, if, you did, if you did do, you know, a, a New Jack track with the horns and the drums that you would have done in 1990, 1990, 92, 93, how do you know that wouldn't work? I know it wouldn't work. Yeah, because no one, I mean, Bruno did a little bit of it. He, yeah. he softened it a little bit, but how do you know it wouldn't work if you have the right vocals? I don't know. I mean, everything's a, a gamma. Like you, you may have this song that you think gonna be a million seller, and you put it out there, and it, it won't sell ten copies. You, you don't know, but it's just a feeling that you got to have. Like I, I want to try this, and you know, you put it out there, and it, it just, you know, just gamma with it. But uh, it, it's kind of hard to pick a hit in these days. You know they. There's, people put out some trash and you like, oh, they're not going to play that again. And next thing you know, you humming it along with it in the car because you've heard it a million times. Yeah, yeah. But then what's your plan? I mean, do you plan to create your own sort of platform to, to release your music? Or do you think, you know, we'll probably try and get a label to listen to it and help us push it out? So what, what do you think you, you may end up doing? No, i probably try to go independent first, probably. Labels over here, especially R&B labels, they are they like youth, so they they can control young young artists. Yeah. But they figure once you get up in age, they're like, oh, he won't want to read the contract, and <laughs> he's gonna be questioned. And that's why that's why a lot of R&B uh, artists come out, you know, young. But if you look at the pop artists over here, you they come out 40, 50, some 60 years old, and they got you know. They got a pop artist coming out, but R and B uh, labels want to control you, so that's why they get young artists. Yeah, and that you know they'll tell you you too old to come out, and mm. but young artists just want a video and a, and a and a flashy car. Yeah, and you know they won't ask for nothing else, and and that's the reason why they won't get a, a more uh, advanced or uh, in age artist that because they figure they're gonna they're gonna know the business and they're gonna start asking questions. Yeah, there's a lot of talent in uh, over here that that got age on them, but R&B is won't touch it. Well, I mean, you know, Charlie Wilson still has a recognizable voice, and he's still able to push records. And I think if you do, you know, it you know, it's a pity Diesel passed away because I think he had one of the most remarkable R&B voices that we've heard. As I mentioned, I, I put him up with Big Bub and. And, and and Aaron 
um, in that type of 90s sort of power, powerhouse voices and stuff like that. If you do have an artist, if you do have a member of your group who has a powerful voice, you know, not you can't compare like apples for apples, but but you also then come up with a a track, a new jack track that people who are familiar with the 90s are like, I must have heard this from somewhere. You then find your own market and audience. But the problem is that if you try and replicate what's out there now and try and do a production that you would normally do for an artist on a major label, the problem is the major label knows how to get it on radio and, and force people to listen to it 100 times before they like it. Yeah. But if you... That's what, some... I, that's what I kind of had an idea. It's funny you said Charlie Wills because when we was meeting... Uh, when I was meeting with Basic Black, uh, we was telling I was telling them that we should try to get on with Charlie Wilson crowd, like open, you know, start off with something on that vein, and then you know, go out on on you know in that age group. But I I think that turned them off. They want to be uh, they want to do like younger music, and you know. Yeah, but but you've got your if you've got your group now, and that's that's the not that's that's the idea. There's so most of the people who are subscribed to my my YouTube channel are you know because YouTube will show me the demographics. They're all between forty to fifty, I think actually. Wow. So these are people who were new nineties. So this is this is when they were listening to music. And when and and every day I'm reading over a thousand feedbacks on, oh we missed the '90s, oh we love the '90s and stuff like that. They don't make the music yeah. like this and stuff. So they're saying we still want that. So Bruno's album did very well among that demographic because he 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 brought stuff that they liked, but he had you know Warner Brothers who was able to push it. And even yeah. when he had with uh, Twenty Four Carat, he had you know Mr. Talkbox who sounded like Teddy. So. In yeah. a sense, they were emulating what was popular then, but in a small updated stuff. So I would hope, you know, you, you know, if you went back to your old days of, well, let me make another She's Mine type of stuff. It's just to see what, you know, you, you've got the platform. You don't need to go into a record store and produce and sell it. You can, you know, you go digital platforms to get it, to get it sorted out, but it will grow. If people say, "Have we heard this before?" The vocals, the production, and, and the lyrics. Yeah, uh, I I think Bruno's gonna tap more into that market because you know he did the, like the love, the R. Kelly sounding song uh, with uh, that one he did with Cardi B too, right? Yeah, yeah. The ballad. Then he did the remix, the, uh, the New Jay Swing remix on the other one. So I think Bruno was getting ready to go there until COVID hit. But see, this is where you guys could come back in because no one is doing that, you know. And, yeah. And, and and even you know we don't. Country music doesn't change. If you listen to a country act, they don't. It sounds very similar to. Oh, yeah. If you listen to a hundred years ago, yeah. even rock and alternative and punk, they sound exact. They keep in the same lane. They don't. They don't yeah. try and update. You know, there's a little change here and there, but a country record now would say no different than it did 50, 30 years ago. Yeah. It's only R&B that decides, and hip-hop, that has yeah. gone, hip-hop and R&B seem to have gone the same path, and hip-hop is easier and cheaper to promote, and they make more money off of them than if yeah. they had an R&B artist. So, I don't know, you produce, you can, tr you could try it out, 
do the new jack stuff that you guys did with, with basic black and see what the what how the response is and and almost trust that this is the type of music that is timeless that still has an art and an audience out there but if you try and and compete with the you know what drake and chris brown are putting out the problem is that they've got got their market sewn up and and their markets they need to constantly put up the same track constantly you know drake can put out a track now that sounds like he did yeah. yesterday yeah. But his people just buy it anyway. The problem is yeah. that I, I listen to Drake and say, well, if I just, all your albums sound the same, there's no different. It's just that yeah. it's just another beat. Yeah. And I just wonder if you, if you guys will take that risk of trying to do an old new Jack type of sound and see what people respond to it. Oh, yeah, I will. I know I will. I already, I'm already in, in the process of doing it. Okay. Well, you have to give us a, a listen to so when you finish to see. So we can help with that uh, exposure and promotion and stuff. I, I got you. <laughs> yeah. So I, well, I forgot to uh, been to my experience with uh with the king. Oh, well, I was about <laughs> to I was about to ask you about that because you did mention that you 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 got to meet him. So when was this? What what, what was going on? This was uh this was uh right. I think it was right after we did Roughneck, and uh uh they was putting uh. Michael Jackson on the Adam Family uh, second movie. He's gonna be on the soundtrack. And uh, like I said, uh, me and Teddy worked on some ideas. Uh, flew out there, met uh, met with him. You know, looking over uh, movie clips with Mike, and he was explaining what he want to go right here. And, and man, I was like, I was in another world again. Like, <laughs> <laughs> said, well. Uh, uh, I didn't actually meet him when we got to his house. Uh, we we uh, drove uh, a golf cart down to the uh, movie theater. And the movie theater was like a mile from the house. In we his own house? Through, uh, yeah. We were going down the winding road through, uh, through Neverland, passing uh, giraffes and <laughs> crazy, <laughs> like crazy animals. So we get to the movie theater and he got, he got Swiss chocolate in there with his picture on him, like on the actual chocolate. <laughs> And uh, he, he got like a, he got a two booth in the, each corner of the movie theater. He got, you know, a living room set in one, bedroom set in one, and both of them got like red hotline phones in them. And but he, we were sitting out in the middle, and he was explaining the movie to us. Then you know, he said, "Okay, so uh, he's like, I got a movie. I'm sure he had got some movie from the." Uh, from the theater, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't even out on the market yet. So he asked us, did we want to watch it? We were like, yeah. So we drove back up to the uh, game room. So we went, a few of us went to the game room. Teddy went to the mansion with him. And, and uh, next thing you know, we were like, Teddy came out. Okay, we leaving. I said, we ain't going to eat dinner and watch the movie. He's like, nah. And uh, we got to go. So, but Teddy just wanted to get back to the hotel uh, for some reason. <laughs> and uh, so when, we, when he, next day he came to the studio, he was in a, uh, white Bronco, like the OJ Bronco. Oh. <laughs> like he had a limo tinted out. So he got out and uh, Dick Scott introduced uh, me to him. He's like, this is one of Teddy's producers. You know, this is Mucho. And Mike didn't even look me in the eye. He was like, how you doing? Like, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, he went back to his room. He had a room in Larrabee studio. And me and Teddy was in one room. So we would do the beat. 
and we would send it round to him in his studio, and he would cut the vocals. Wow. Yeah, so we wouldn't actually be in the same room with him. We, we do the beat, and then we sent to him, and he'd be in, in there by himself with his engineer doing the vocals. Wow. And so, you know, so I'm thinking, like, the next day, I'm like, okay, maybe tomorrow I'm going to get a picture with him, and, you know, so next day, you know, uh, Dick Scott called me in the room and said, yo, they taking Mike off the soundtrack. I'm like, why? And, you know, that's when the little first accusation happened. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they okay. put they put MC Hammer on there. Yeah, now I remember. Okay, I can remember MC Hammer doing that. The, the Adams family. Started, I can, yeah, okay. Yeah, so they put Hammer on there. That was supposed to be Michael Jackson soundtrack. So okay. after that, I didn't see him again. I'm like, wow, I should have got that picture yesterday. But you know those days, you, people didn't carry camera phones and that you could take this some pictures and stuff like that. Yeah, but but uh, Dick Scott kept a camera with him. Uh, Teddy, old manager. Okay, okay. He kept a camera with him. So I, I you know, he would have took a picture with him because he was taking pictures of me and Teddy at the mixing board together. And, okay, okay. And so I was, was telling you a picture of me what, and Mike. What happened to those to to to, to, the, to, the, to the vocals on, on that production? Did it just disappear? I asked Teddy about that when we was on speaking terms about three years ago. And I think he 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 sold it to an artist in uh, South Korea. Oh, like the songs, so like... Yeah, yeah, but not Michael Vocal, but... Okay, okay. Okay. So, oh, okay. Wow, that's, that, that must be me. So I take it that you and Teddy aren't... aren't you're not... You guys don't... You don't work, you work together anymore or talk together? No, nah, the last thing we did together was that A. Marie. I think okay. that was like 2010, 2012, something around like okay. that. Okay. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's um, yeah, I mean, it's a small world. Hopefully, you know, and the business is, is, is business, but hopefully we always hope that people get to uh, um, make up at, at, at the right time and stuff. Um, but one question I used to always, when I'm finishing, ask those, my guests, is that if you were stuck in an elevator um, uh, for a couple of hours and, they, and they, you were given a choice of a movie to watch while they try and get you out, what would you pick? Uh, Austin Powers. <laughs> okay, okay. It's a national matter of mystery. The first one? The first one with uh with a uh, fat bastard in it. Okay. <laughs> Get in my belly, yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> in my belly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Baby. Okay. Wow, okay. No, okay. It's amazing when you ask these questions. Everyone comes up with different stuff. But what about a song? If you if they say, look, we're about to put the movie on, but we've got a few minutes before us. So let's put a, a track for you to listen to before we get the movie on. Uh, one of my favorite songs is uh, "Computer Love" by uh, Roger Trapman. Did you did you ever meet him? Was he from, did did you ever meet Roger? Uh, actually, actually, I'm related to him. My mom's main name is Trapman. Are you kidding me? Wow! Yeah, no. So I got uh, I'm supposed to be doing a project with his nephew Rufus. Wow, and, and Rufus Talkbox sounds just like his uncle, but that's uh, that's my mom' maiden name, Trapman. It's way down, it's way down the line. It's not like first or second. Cousin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But did you it, ever it, get it, to it, meet him or before he died? No, nah, I never. I never met him. I wow. met his son though. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I met Junior, but 
So, but me and Rufus has been talking, so I'm supposed to be doing some stuff with him. You know what? I, I think you, 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 know, you guys will be on to something with that, because I think Bruno really took it. You know, California Love is, is, is massive, of course. Um, Teddy did a lot with, with the vocal, but I think it's, if... Um, I think if if you had you know a trapman coming out with a, with a vocal or a production, I think it will get a lot of it will get people's yeah. ears on and stuff like that. I actually want to link him up with my nephew because my nephew play a mean top box too. Named uh, Jay Hot. I don't know if you follow him or not, but he's he doing a lot of work with Chauncey. Okay. And, and J, if you follow Chauncey Black when they was in the studio like two weeks ago, you you see my nephew. That's my my youngest sister son named Jay Hot Scott. Now he actually do talk box when they was on speaking terms for Teddy. Okay. Wow. So, so on some of the newer stuff, you may think you heard Teddy, but you probably heard my nephew. Wow. So, I, I, so you're not involved with the new Black Streets with Chauncey stuff? Uh, yeah, I, I suppose to get with uh. Chance and E ballad on a on one song. Okay, okay, yeah, you know, but it's 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 definitely been it's definitely green great hair hair and your style. I think one of the things that we a lot of us would hit, would take pick from from what you've said is, you know, the sense of working. You know, sometimes it's great when you work with big producers who've who've really made the name, but there are also challenges in in it as well, and and. Um, you know, challenges where, and the politics of, of, of music publishing credits and stuff like that, because it's not just a, a case of your, your credits being there just so that people know you did stuff, but it's about long-term royalties as well that get, yeah. that get, get pushed in. Um, I've heard from Jean Marie who mentioned the same thing about credits not being put on some of the stuff he did, but it was the kind of thing where back in those days, if they were putting an album off for album to the Grammys, you could only have a certain number of people, but now it's different. So they could put a credit on, but it's the politics is really sad because it's, it seems to split relationships and, and, yeah. um, and, and, and stuff. I mean, if you, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Me and, uh, me and, me and John Marie went through the same thing up there. <laughs> he went through it as an engineer. I went through it as a producer. Yeah. If, if there were things, if you had an advice for people who were starting off as a producer um, in, in the music industry, what would you, what would be your sort of words of wisdom, for, especially since you've gone through for such a long time? It's, it's kind of hard because uh, I, I want to say just learn the business, but if you know too much of the business, then people might be scared of you because, you know, you got some people out there that want more than what they put in. Like they want theirs and yours. So uh, I, I want to say learn the business, but at the same time, kind of act like you don't know it just to get your foot in the door. Then when you get your foot in the door, then you, you show them what you know. But don't go in, don't go in knowing too much. Even though you may know too much, don't go in showing, just showing your, all your cards. Yeah. Just kind of act like you don't know a little bit of it and, and just get your foot in the door. Cause it's, it's hard getting that door. If they, if you know more than the person you're trying to deal with know, then they'll shy away from you. Like, okay, I'm going to go to the next person. Maybe I can beat them. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to say just, you know, get your foot in the door first, then 
then show them what you know. But then for producers like yourself, if you're not working alongside, say, um, a Teddy or Timberland, who the labels tend to go to to get the to get the big one, big track, because they know that if they push it out under their name, they will get the radio and stuff. How then do you get a phone call to say, hey, Mucha, can you come and work on this track for Beyonce or stuff? How does that happen if you're not? I, it's, it's a long shot. I, I mean, but I, I, I appreciate him for giving me the opportunity to, you know, to use him to get in the door. And I know we had to use his name to do it, but you know, if you if you're going there as a new artist, it, it I mean you got a, you got a million uh, talented producers out there, but if they don't get that first foot in the door, you may you may not never hear them. Yeah. So what's gonna separate you? What what do you think separates you from all the other producers out there? What what do you think you do that's very unique? That's uh I I stay I keep my ears glued to what's happening now. You know, even even the young stuff, I, I wouldn't try to do a, a young song for me, you know, a trap song for me, but I I admire it as an art. So that the art keeps my ear young and it, it keeps me, you know, on top of my game. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's like uh, back in the day when our mom used to play Al Green. Yeah. And, and, and you know, we, we in the room we playing Sugar Hill, and they saying, turn that racket down. You know, that's not real music. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, but they saying Al Green real, real music. But when we grow up and we play, you know, Al Green now, us, you know, guy today, basically black, and our kids in the other room playing, you know, Migos, <laughs> and, you know, some parents going to say, turn that racket down. So I learned. I learned from that. I like, wait a minute, you know, when my mom saying Sugar Hill was, you know, noise, you know, when I was coming up, you know, I got to look at it a little different. So what yeah. my kids listen to, I kind of analyze it and say, you know, as, admire it as an art. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a question that people always ask, were there tracks from your basic black that didn't get released, that you, you recorded, but you didn't get released on the first album? Yeah, we, um, not on the first album. Uh, then we were working on the second, second album. We had a, a song called Give Love a Chance. And we had a song called No More Mr. Nice Guy. And I, I think Speck got a rough copy on cassette. And, you know, we uh, we were working on the second album. And uh, then uh, we had to split with the new company. Uh when we started working on the second album. So after that, we just, we called it quits for a minute. Okay, what about 911? Are there tracks that you guys recorded that that's, that's, that haven't been released? Oh yeah, we got a few of them. Uh, actually, Diesel old manager got a, a dat tape that uh, I'm trying to, uh, we was trying to get, uh, get in touch with him that we can get them off that tape and, you know, get a good mix on them and, and kind of put them out. But it, uh, these are recorded like uh, me and him, before we went to Virginia Beach, we was in Atlanta, we had, we probably had about six or seven more songs that had to be heard. But th that you recorded? Yeah. Because I've seen, I mean, um, 
But what 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 are some of the ones that you that you that you guys recorded that um, either either for the um, for the album or um, but that we that never got released? I forgot the titles to them, but somebody texted me. Somebody overseas got will for one of them, and they texted it to me. I said, "Wow, I forgot about that song." Because and 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 I'm just trying to see now. Did you do one called "Do You Write"? "Do You Write" is actually on the album. 911 album. When did you did you release an album? Uh, no, but they released a, a copy of it overseas. Then there's a spend some time. That's on the album. Someone about the way you love me. Something about the way you love me is on the album. Your love can't get enough. Can't get enough is on the album. Uh, the ride. That's on the album. Catching feelings. That's on the album. <laughs> My heart belongs to you. That's on album. Okay, so this is on YouTube. Somebody's uploaded all on YouTube. It's, it's South Korea and Japan. Okay, about two years ago, somebody uploaded all of those tracks in the. Uh, uh, uh. I think when Teddy lost his studio in Virginia Beach, he had the masters in his uh, in a storage, and I forgot somebody bought the uh, the storage overseas, and they got they got a copy of all the masters. So you guys don't own them. So you, you can't do anything about them. Uh, no, not overseas. Uh, it's, it it probably take a long time, but you know it's hard from over here. But like I said, you know, uh, Diesel old manager, I'm trying to get in touch with. I talked to him, and he's supposed to be getting up the tapes and uh, all the old stuff me and Diesel did. I'm gonna try to get a good mix on it. And then, what would you do with them? Uh, um, well, the manager, I, you know, me and him had to come to agreement and. And we'll talk to Diesel family, and we'll mix them and uh, we'll put them out, you know. But as what, as nine one one or as Diesels? Uh, I'm, I may put them on. Uh, since me and Slim was a part of nine one one, I may put them on the Blackmail album. Okay, okay, okay. No, it'd be it, it, it'd be good to because you no, know, no one's listening to them. I mean, I'm looking at them. You know, two hundred views, fifty views, because no one knows much about 911 apart from magazine because it was on a soundtrack and it sounded as if Teddy did a production with Queen Pen on it. So that 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 one is um much more popular but all the all the rest and stuff. Yeah uh Cutie, Cutie was more popular in London. Yeah I've seen the video um which I'll which when this when this interview goes out probably next over the next couple of weeks then I'll you know play the video so it can people will link link the two and stuff like that okay but, yeah um but no definitely it's it's been it's been great hearing hearing hearing, hearing your side of, of things because as i said when i interviewed um basic black it was really just hearing the journey as as the group because then they've got the two new members anthony and sean so it was more like well let's i couldn't spend so much time with them so they were touching a little bit about the journey um, but more so just about how, about the group and, and where they are now. But I think what you've done is tie a lot about, not parts of the group that I, I didn't get into, but a lot about the production side. Because um, I've heard a lot of artists talk about the business side, but not many producers talk about the challenges about being in production and stuff. So it's been really fascinating to hear, hear your story and stuff like that. Yeah, when I heard the interview, I heard him say uh, KB did the drums on uh, Nothing But a Party. 
I had to cut it off after that. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, I mean, I think did the um no, I, I, I so no when the interview I, I I don't know unless you sort of fill interview on on YouTube. So what I normally have to do when you have sixty seconds on Instagram, so you, what you do is just chop little yeah. bits of it to put it in. Yeah. But in the full interview, we talk. I think no, I think the full interview is about he we we bring in your name about you did the productions and this and that. But when you're doing this stuff on Instagram, you, you if you don't do it in fifty nine seconds, you you can't. If people see a minute and stuff, it's like, no, nah, I'm not going to watch this. So you almost, I almost have to take a little bit of it. Yeah. But the full. But yeah, that, that that part about uh, nothing but a party was was, was fabricated. Like, cause like those are my drum. If you ask Kevin where did the uh, drum loop come from, he probably couldn't tell you where that loop come from. He'll probably say James Brown. But okay. <laughs> but, okay. but that nothing but a party beat didn't come from James Brown. Yeah, no. As I said, it's it's the stuff that I thought Teddy did, but I, I think the um. But no, I think in yeah in the main full interview, it, it you know they 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 we touch on on everyone work you know working, learning from from Teddy, but learning and working working you you guys doing your own stuff, um as as a group and doing the production, um. Yeah, but, but but nothing but a party was one of my babies. So if I did the beat, you got to let everybody know I did the beat. I mean, not you, but yeah. what, Spec, what Spec said. He said, he said KB did the beat. And I was like, wow. You know, I'll have to listen to it again to see if that was... Um, if, yeah, uh, yeah it's, the part, it's the part on the video. But you, I mean, you didn't know, so... But uh, I, I texted him about that, and he texted me like, well, you said you didn't want your name mentioned on... Uh, do you know what? And maybe that's probably why he didn't mention your name too much because he didn't know if you you didn't want to be brought into it. But because I call, I said, "What about Mucci?" I said, "Okay, he'll he'll call you up." But he did. So I felt like he was holding, he was protected, almost like if somebody says, "Look, I don't want to be mentioned in this," so it felt like no, I'm, I, I'm I never told, so, I never told him that, man. It just that's just what he wanted to say, but um, but like I said, like uh, nothing but a party. That beat that one of my babies, along with you know, she's my like I said, those two of my favorite, along with uh whatever it take. Those two of my favorite beats. Now, if you actually read the basic black credits, you'll see my name on there way more than <laughs> you see the other two names on there. Yeah. But when he when, when he did that, I thought that was kind of disrespectful. Like he said, KB did the beat I did. Yeah, I, I kind of thought that was disrespectful. Okay, no, I would I would look back at, at, at it, um, but I, I, I from from the way I felt the interview was, it was as if they didn't they didn't want to. It was almost as if they they were trying to almost as if you didn't want they didn't want to drag your name in because of an agreement. So I didn't know that you. you no, had because a, because they were uh, stealing credits. <laughs> They were stealing credit. Uh, KB didn't touch uh, nothing but a party. But Spec said him and KB did the beat. I was like, wow. Oh, is that credits with that? But I thought the credits, all that stuff is what Gene puts out. Or are you talking about credits? Uh, well, the, the, the credits on the Basic Black album, Gene put the right credits on that. Gene didn't do what the Teddy Riley moved. The Teddy would say his assistant made uh, uh, the wrong 
if put the wrong if on there. Gene actually put the right credits on there. Okay. Now Gene, Gene, Gene didn't do no credit switching. I, I vouch for him on that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No. That's that's you know that's good. Uh, with with the basic black videos, the she's mine and not about a party. They didn't seem to focus on you guys too much. The videos seem very dark, and we only see D Zone. And it was there a reason why you guys were almost hidden away? Uh, wasn't a reason. Uh, they tried to put the, uh, uh, us in there as much as possible, but it it was mostly focused on the sound of that of the, of the new Jack, not not the beat. But they Gene wanted to focus more on the Aaron Hall. Uh, vibe. So that's why the camera was on Diesel more than it was us. Yeah, I always think because it's if you watch any of the videos, it's like only short cuts on you guys, but mainly on, on Diesel, which which did a disservice because they only show you guys always playing instruments. So we don't really get to see you guys like modern RB groups where you get to see each member and get to yeah. see them. Yeah, Gene was going after that, uh, the, the vocals more than the actual beat at the time. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, did, did, did you, were you guys still in touch with him before he died? Oh, yeah. I, I like two weeks, uh, I talked to him two weeks before he died. Gene oh, uh, Gene? Yeah, oh, Gene. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, we were gonna, I was going to speak in terms with him. Okay. Okay. Wow. Uh, after uh, he had a rapper called Pastor Troy. He had Pastor he Troy? It was it Pastor Troy or the other one? Uh, another rapper, Gene. I don't know if it was Pastor Troy. It may have been Pastor Troy. Uh, but Gene, he had a rap around about that time, and he was wanting me to do some mixes on it. So, yeah, we was on speaking terms. Okay. 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 Wow. Well, I mean, definitely, I read, it's just after midnight here, so, but, uh, <laughs> so. Oh, it's late. Yeah, it's, it's late and I go back to work in the morning. But, you know, it's been great getting to chat with you. Is that your home studio that you, you've got in? Do you do your production? In? Yeah. Uh, I, I got most of it up. I got the, the Raven uh, double screen board. And then uh, I ain't got my keyboard in here yet, though, but I, I use that test screen Raven for mixing. It runs Logic and Pro Tools. So you don't miss the MDC anymore? MPC. No, NDC. Not, yeah, you not since 92. Not since uh, Teddy put it in that closet. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about it, I, I, I've been on Logic ever since he put me on Logic. Like, But Logic changed platform about two or three times. There was, uh, there was a notator Logic on Atari. And then they went uh, uh, E-Magic Logic on a uh, Mac and PC, and now they're just Apple Logic on, on okay. Apple. So I've been with, I've been on Logic since uh, '92. But if you went back to the old NPC, do you think the sounds would sound very similar to the '90s? Would it be different? Have you tried it to see what you could create with it, or would you even remember how to use it? I, I can remember how to use it, but I can get that eight bit, that eight bit and sixteen bit sound from. Uh, from Logic and, and and a lot of the plugins, and plus it's, it's faster. I, I see everything on the screen now. I can see the waves, so I know what I can take out of, and what it needs. But uh, I, I mean, it, it, it's faster on the okay. on the Logic. 
as I said, I would hope that you guys would be able to go back and create and 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 not not go back and and do an old '90s track, but almost if you're trying to do the new jack, do it as if you were back in '93, '94, and see how people might respond to it now. Because no one no one really does that. No one has really said. I'm going to try and do a, a, a 93, 94 track, apart from Bruno, he twisted a little bit, but everyone else is Yeah. 
Thanks for watching. Please remember to subscribe to the channel, but most importantly, to press the notification bell so that you can be notified when we do have a new interview. Loads to come, but thanks a lot for watching. Yeah.